0: My name is Taylor DeSormo, the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. I'm here with Andrew Serma, the assistant sports editor. Serma, how are you? Good as always, Taylor. like the hat today. Thank you. I decided I was having a bad hair day, so N- no I Michigan. No Michigan hats today. No Michigan hats. So it's just a, just a regular cap. Yeah. Uh, winter, winter cap. It's cold out. So it is. So kind of need it. It's so, snow on April 4th.
1: Uh, it's not good for baseball or softball.
0: No. Or lacrosse. No, Not much time left in the season no. either. we only got about a month left in the school year. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit in a, in a little bit about some of the top remaining sports events. I feel like this time of year, people think sports, but people think basketball playoffs or NHL or baseball starting. But mm-hmm. They don't really think college sports.
1: Oh, happy opening day, by the way, Taylor.
0: Yeah, thanks you too. Happy opening day. We got the day. Tigers coming up not too long. They play Miami Tuesday night, uh, so it's going to be good. But we're going to yeah, we're going to talk about some <laughs> some of the CMU sports that are still worth taking a steady break for in a little bit. Um, we're going to get to that first, but also, later on in the show, we're going to talk about the top five things you should know about the student athlete handbook. Yeah, and Sermon, you wrote that story, right?
1: Yeah, we have. Uh, it was out in today's paper. If you want to pick that up at a newsstand or go on cm-life.com. In the paper, it's top four uh, things you need to know. <laughs> online, it's top five things that you need to know. So there's and, a uh, bonus one online. Yeah, there's a bonus one. And there's an extra feature. So go check that out. Um, but yeah, some interesting things. If you, if you want to hit on this first, a couple of interesting things that uh, you know, I just nosing around through the student hand, the
0: student athlete handbook. One of them was. So this is a pretty big handbook, right? Yeah,
1: uh, it's uh, like a seven section, fifty plus page uh, document, Word mm-hmm. document online. And they
0: required to read this, or how does that work? You know,
1: that's that's a good question. I don't know if I think they're expected otherwise to know everything in that handbook. Mm-hmm. Do they actually all read word for word, page for page? I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. But technically, they are expected to know. What's expected of them, which mm-hmm. is you know in that, that handbook.
0: So I understand that it's kind of like some of it's from the NCAA, but some of it's also CMU specific.
1: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different tiers that you know student athletes have to abide to, and it's by uh, by, and it starts with the NCAA, and it goes down to the Mid American Conference, to the university, to the athletic department, to each individual. Program and what the rules that each individual coach establishes for the team. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of dos and a lot of don'ts that you know athletes need to really pay attention to in order to not trip up and have little you know issues with with taking you know something as little as getting a a ride home from a coach could not allowed not allowed going over having a big excessive Thanksgiving dinner with at a coach's house. Mm it's not allowed there's only certain, you know there's certain things like I said do's and don'ts that are are very minuscule and you if you don't pay attention you, you could you could slip up
0: okay that's pretty interesting so you definitely s- there's five things online four in the paper uh-huh. if you had to choose the most the most interesting thing that you you came across in that student athlete handbook what would you say is the point that really made you open your eyes
1: this might just be biased because I'm a media person who works with the university but my point number two was expect to be in a fishbowl. Point three online. That's yeah. Point three online. <laughs> um, but it kind of just talks to student athletes being put into the limelight, putting put into the big spotlight with all the media asking you questions, and how exactly the student athletes should go about navigating interviews and other things with the media, and um, you know a couple things that they a couple tips that they give them. Uh, one is. Don't be afraid to turn down an interview mm-hmm. um, or reschedule. It's, you're playing by your rules. Um, another point is pre- they tell them to athletes to prepare one or two main points that they want to go back and hit on. So regardless of they're, if they're asked a tough question or it's a question they're uncomfortable with answering, they can always revert back to those couple points. and, key and messages. Right, kind of yeah. those key messages they want to get across. Um, they tell them to refrain from saying no comment, which...
0: Appreciate that. Yeah,
1: you know, I do appreciate <laughs> that. Always be positive, show your personality, and do not speak off the record. They, they warn them that that doesn't actually exist. Um, if a reporter wants to use something that they tell them, then then they can regardless if they say uh, or if the athlete says this is off the record because yeah. it's not their role.
0: Kind of a jerk move, but... Definitely. S- but still, something yeah. Something we I mean, wouldn't do, but... You never know with some reporters.
1: Right. Uh, no, but there's a lot of things, and... Uh, I wish I had more space in the in the paper to do to do <laughs> six seven eight points, but um, it's definitely there's a lot that student athletes have to go through and have to you know one of the things also that is they have to they're held to a higher academic standard than what I guess you want to call them not normal students but non-athletic students mm-hmm. uh, have to go through student athletes have to pick their majors much sooner in their sophomore by I think the third third semester really? uh, in college. Um, and they also have to make certain percentage progressions of their major of that major program, okay. and I think it's it's at a much accelerated pace than what maybe not. just ter- really don't even have to do that; right. they can
0: just do it whenever they want. Whereas these athletes, they have to have forty percent done by their third year, right. sixty by their fourth, and if they have a fifth, eighty percent done, which is. I mean, you're making sure you're on track there, I guess.
1: That's the key is to make sure they're on track. And their mission statement is to have 100% graduation rate, of course. And I
0: don't know if it's tailored maybe for those one and done or athletes who are going to be done Mm -hmm. really quickly after three years, maybe leave for some reason or another. But it just kind of makes sure they're on track and and whatnot. And I think the GPA part's interesting too. So I know, it was it your story earlier this year that said the CMU athletes have – the highest combined average GPA in history.
1: Yeah, I think it's a. Th- don't quote me on this. I, I want to say it right here, three point one nine seven nine. Okay, I knew it was three point one nine, but seven nine. It's
0: about a B plus.
1: Um, you know, and that's a lot of sports, and I think football was the lowest with like a two point nine one. It's not. Too um, but but that's a big team, so it's it's you have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, what is stipulated in this handbook, all those very rigorous requirements that are put onto the student athletes, uh are working. And it shows with the progression of Mm -hmm. the increased overall student GPAs, Mm -hmm. student athlete GPAs that we've been seeing the past couple of years. Um, So it's very interesting, no doubt.
0: Something that I thought was kind of cool in here, um, it actually depends on the GPA that they're required to have depends on how far they are in their academic careers. So I'm not exactly sure what it is for us normal students, but you have here 1.8 is a GPA you need after the first year. You need at least a 1.9 after yeah. your second year, and a 2.0 going into the fourth and further years.
1: Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of low. A mm-hmm. uh, 1.8 GPA—that's yeah, lower thought, than a C. Yeah, I thought that that was—I think that's was like a D plus range. Yeah. Um,
0: it's almost giving some more leeway for those freshmen if they're maybe having a hard time adjusting to yeah. not only university classes but also mm-hmm. university athletics Division One mm-hmm. at that.
1: And I, I'm sure a lot of people are already aware that freshmen do have to do. Um, study table, and if your GPA isn't that great, you have to come back to study table in your, Mm -hmm. see sophomore, junior, senior years if you uh, you need that.
0: How many hours of that do they have to do every week?
1: Um, I don't. You know, I don't. In the handbook, it didn't say a set amount of hours that you had to. I think that's a a team by team, player by player basis. Mm -hmm. Um, depending on what your needs are, but you can not do any more than two hours per session, and on Fridays and Sundays. You can't do any more than two hours at all mm-hmm. in that whole entire day. So you can only get two hours on those two days.
0: Yeah, and the nice thing is that's right in the IAC where a lot of athletes have their yeah, training. so a they can really nice workout.
1: Dick Enberg
0: success uh, success
1: center, success center. Yep. and you know it's, go right in there and do some homework. Why yeah, not? Absolutely. Um, I thought that the, the the drugs and dietary supplement. Yep. Obviously, they have to get drug tested. Um, for social drugs recreational drugs like marijuana usage Mm -hmm. and performance enhancing drugs but i also thought it was interesting that the university that the athletic departments doesn't condone muscle building they don't distribute muscle building products so if players are hungry and they want an energy bar they can give them a granola bar or water but nothing that is muscle building or any type of nutritional dietary supplements Mm -hmm. that otherwise isn't approved by the ncaa
0: so you said like gatorade they can give them that
1: gatorade they can give them i've seen women's soccer players chewing on those little uh gummy uh, gatorade energy Mm -hmm. chews um but things like uh whey protein shakes and uh muscle Mm -hmm. milk or uh creatine absolutely not um and they keep that. they're allowed
0: to have those they just can't be provided by the university yeah the
1: university definitely won't provide it but there's also a, a an approved list of items. So I think there's, a, uh, off the top of my head, there's a product called Assault. Um, I know that when I was coming up through my senior year, that was one of the, the products that was able to be taken um, at the Division I level um, legally, and that's a creatine pre-workout type supplement.
0: Assault. Assault. What about a pepper?
1: <laughs> Taylor DeStorma, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry. Bad Anyways. All right, keep going. Um, no. I... Uh, I, I do after doing this this article I, it's I understand where student athletes come from where they say their experience in college is slightly more rigorous
0: they're held to a higher standard right are absolutely sure?
1: and it says that uh, in the NCAA student athletes are held to a higher standard than the normal student and that that's kind of the term normal student sometimes you know okay um, so everyday students that otherwise don't have any Athletic responsibilities. Um, it's a very interesting thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah, I think there's some definitely some interesting points in there. Um that student athletes have to adhere to. I don't think general students really know all the definitely not the things that they have to kind of prescribe to. And I think it's interesting just to see they are held at a little bit higher standard than we mm-hmm. are, and it's, it's kind of interesting to see that.
1: Yeah, all the tweets are public, and they're always yeah. Once you post that, it's you can it's up for scrutiny by yeah. anybody, whether it's a department, or it's by the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, I know talking def- to
0: athletics communications, they said that basically if an athlete says something on Twitter, they can get it's basically like they said it to a reporter so Just if, like in public if you wouldn't say it to a reporter don't don't tweet it and you could get even the same kind of penalties or punishments like if you go up to a reporter and say hey f you or whatever Right. Like, be the same as, if you tweet that it's really the same thing and you probably get punished for that
1: yeah it's it's a lot f- you know it's a lot for a 17 18 year old kid to come out of his high school where he likely was or she likely was uh, you know the best athlete uh, probably a prominent figure at that high school and Kind of have to be thrown into this representative uh, position where you're a representative of this university. Um, it's it's a pretty big jump that I, don't, I think that we take for granted. We don't realize hmm. how big of a jump that is. That you're really put, even if it's a mid-American, you're not a Power Five conference school. You're still put under a, a pretty big spotlight and you're examined and you're scrutinized. When you're a 17, 18 year old kid, mm-hmm. um, there's
0: a lot to that. Definitely. So if you haven't read that, check it out. It's called the Student Athlete Handbook: Colon Five Things to Know. So uh, check out cm lifecom for that. Uh, the next really thing, great. What? <laughs> I said really great. Really great. Yeah. <laughs> really so, great. Whoever wrote that is hell really, of a writer. Really deserves a raise. <laughs> so um, the other the other thing we we're talking about today was the speaking of five. It must be the theme of the day. Five. five. So now we're talking about the five um top sporting events remaining in the 2015-16 season. So, I This was interesting because
1: two of the, or one of these, the top one isn't even really a, a, spring a spring sport.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um I had five things on there. One of them has already happened, which was the gymnastics regional this past Saturday. They uh, they ended up finishing 5th. They beat the rival Kent State, but that was the only team they beat. There were six teams there. Um, as long as they didn't get last place, they didn't get last place, and they said that was one of their goals. That's Don't the finish goal. last. Don't finish last. Honestly, it sounds kind of bad, but this is like an NCAA regional, so it's yeah. it's really the next step past the MAC championships. Mm-hmm. And CMU was supposed to finish last. They they only take the top thirty-six teams in these six regionals, and CMU is ranked thirty-fifth.
1: The four other ones that were ranked ahead of that finished ahead of CMU were ranked in the top twenty-five, I believe. Yep.
0: So number one, Oklahoma won the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, number twelve um, and thirteen, which was Arkansas and Nebraska, Honestly, yeah. I think, and then the other team was nineteen, which was Iowa. Okay. Um, so they were all pretty solid teams, and CMU almost beat Iowa actually. But definitely check out our, our coverage of that on CMUFLife dot There was four seniors who competed in their last meet. Hmm. Um, they did fairly well. It was really tough judging. Um, really emotional days. But I when I talked to them after, that's what they how they called it. Is the younger pet's pet's old sister done? Um. So well, she was one of the seniors. She was injured. She was she injured, injured, she was year, injured yeah. but she's done. There were some other injuries too that really played. them. there was they. Yeah. The coach said there was eleven routines that they kind of had to replace people on. Eleven. Yep. So. That's holy cow! Quite a bit. So there's four different events and there's six routines. So there's really only 24 total. Oh, yeah. If I'm doing my math correct. <laughs> but, so that was one thing that's already happened. That's on my Friday top five from from last Friday, the gymnastics NCAA regional. They're now done for the year. Hmm. Um, the only thing that's left is NCAA nationals. So I have four other things left on this list. Um, we'll start at number five, which was actually coming up this Tuesday, which you might even it already happened when you're listening to this podcast, the softball doubleheader versus Western Michigan. I feel like hey. softball doesn't have a whole lot going on. There's not even that many home games left. But whenever you play Western Michigan, especially twice, at home on the same day, I think that's gotta be noteworthy. Absolutely. I you know, I didn't
1: fortunately I didn't do my research well enough. I don't know what Western Michigan's record looks like at this point. Do you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm not sure. So Western's we record. Central Michigan, I think <laughs> they went 1-1-1 and over the weekend yeah. after, I don't know if you heard about the snow day, basically. Yeah, the snow out. They were down 4 to nothing in the fifth inning. They did a 30-minute break. Or uh, not a break, but like they delayed the game because of snow. Were able to get some snow out of the way. Started playing again. In the bottom of the fifth inning, CMU scor- scores four runs to tie the game fifth inning ends now there's only seven innings in softball but wait they
1: scored four runs when they came back after the 30 after
0: yeah wow in the bottom of the fifth now after five innings you can call the game however it is before the sixth inning there was so much snow that they had to call the game this was on april 2nd mind (laughs) they called the game and ended in a tie so cmu really almost kind of had like a walk-off tie if you want to think of it that way with four runs in the bottom of the fifth before it really just started coming down Baseball, softball, in Michigan in, in April. April. Man, yeah, got snowed out. So they went, they had one win, one loss, and one tie over the weekend against Akron. Well, it um, sounds like they need
1: some wins. Yep. Some, some un-snowed-out wins.
0: Well, you never know. On Tuesday, it still might be snowing. I
1: know. The way it looks like out there today, it's it's snowing pretty badly.
0: So that was my number five. Number four, gymnastics regional, like I mentioned. Number three is lacrosse versus Jacksonville. Now, on the surface, that probably doesn't sound very interesting.
1: No, it does not at all, but <laughs> this is a good lacrosse team, and also, this is one of, going to be one of the first games at home where we are actually going to be on campus. Yeah, so you the know. first two
0: were during spring break, and then the third one was during Easter, which I think was dumb, and we actually have a column from our, our beat reporter, Mackenzie we do. Sanderson. Check that it out It was a on, good column, too. Online, Talking about how it just doesn't make sense, like, this is their first ever home games as a program, and they... Played them during spring break and Easter. How do you were they were the conference games? They were non-conference games. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And Mackenzie makes that do. point. Mm-hmm. I think she does. Um, so this is almost like the home opener for pro, the program, Tec- not technically, but to the students at yeah. least. And the really cool part about this game on April fifteenth, which is next Friday, is that not only is Jacksonville the, the defending champion, so you're going to see some good the lacrosse. the, the, the sun Atlantic Sun. Yep. But also, this is the game where I believe the Saginaw Chippewa Indian tribe will be yes. blessing the field. I forgot There will be about a that. drum and snowbird ceremony, and also they'll be presenting the team with ceremonial, traditional lacrosse sticks decorated by members of the tribe.
1: I take that back. That actually is very, very interesting. It sounds so cool. There's a lot of connections of with the sport in general, not just the CMU program, but the sport of lacrosse with the Native Americans, specifically the, the Ojibwe tribe, the Saginaw mm. Chippewa tribe. Um, and they've made that connection. Obviously, we've talked about in recent articles and recent podcasts how the uh, lacrosse program works in the, the four colors of the, the Ojibwe Chippewa tribe. Yep. Um, and, and, it's a, that's a cool ceremony. They do that before football games every now and again. Yeah, I'm going looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a really cool... I've never seen that ceremony before, so that's something that, as a Chippewa, mm-hmm. I want to go do and experience.
0: It's going to be a lot more personal, too, with the new CMU lacrosse complex, yeah. as opposed to a football game where there's 20,000 people. This is going to be a little more intimate. Absolutely. Th- so it's almost like... I know even the first game ever, Mackenzie said she went there, and she said... It didn't even really seem like it was their first home game. Like There wasn't really anything different about it. And I think this Jacksonville game, it's going to be really inviting for students. Yeah. It's going to be good for even families. It's a Friday night. It's a good time to go yeah Friday the night. community.
1: Hopefully it's warm
0: out. That'd be great. Yeah, and then also you're really inviting the Chippewa tribe and a lot of people mm-hmm. to kind of come see me see lacrosse for the first time. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to see where this program goes in terms of just fan connectedness. I know the the attendance of the last three games has been somewhere around between 100 and 400, which is not what they're looking for. For you also mentioned it's been cold. It April has been 15th, cold. April 15th, Oldfield it'll be warm. It'll be tax day, people will be <laughs> warmed up from. I don't know. From where I was going with that. But. <laughs> yeah, that, April 15th, 6 p.m. Jacksonville lacrosse La versus CMU. I think that's
1: gonna be good. I mean, that's a a great uh, that's a great stadium, and you know, covering the soccer game is there. Night soccer games at this stadium that has no just call the soccer slash the cross complex for now. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool environment. Beautiful, beautiful Remember turf that sunset? The 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 sunset is just it, it's a really, really cool environment to go see a sporting event at. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope that the community, the students, uh, do come to support no mm-hmm. doubt.
0: Me too. If, so if you've never seen a lacrosse game here at CMU, which you probably haven't, or if you've never even been to the CMU Soccer Lacrosse Complex, definitely recommend it. I know I have it circled on I my have calendar. never
1: been to a lacrosse game in my life. Well, you're going to be to first. one April 15th. April 15th.
0: <laughs> so that was number three. Um, Moving on up. That's pretty cool. There's two better things than that. Um, number <laughs> two, I have The Clash at Comerica. Boom, boom. That's a good one. I like <laughs> so, this so one. So this one won't be... At CMU, it's actually at Comerica Park in Detroit. The Chippewas and the Michigan State Spartans every year. Spartan have an annual game. I think they've done it maybe five years now. We're gonna have a story about yeah. that coming out. This is next Wednesday, April thirteenth. Um, normally, you'd think CMU and Michigan State. All right, they're, they're it's no, almost no. like two different divisions, but
1: when they're playing ball, CMU, I want to say competes in the state of Michigan. Uh I know the University of Michigan's on and off. Some mm-hmm. years some years are good, some years they're in a little bit less. Yep. Uh Michigan State's usually pretty consistent, but I want to say that CMU has beaten Michigan State in, in previous years. So
0: last year the Classic America was one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. Oh. I, was, I was there in person. And when I when I say that, maybe I should say one of the best finishes I've ever seen. I think I can't remember the exact score. Um, let me let me double check here, but Michigan State was up big in the bottom of the ninth inning.
1: It was a high scoring scoring game, wasn't it? Yep.
0: Yeah, they were up eight two. They were up seven nothing at one point. Wow! And um, Michigan State was, and then um, Michigan State led seven to two, I think, heading into the final bottom of the ninth. We even had our photographer up in the press box. We're like, we're done. Let's write our story. Let's get Ball the game. photos in there. We thought it was over. So CMU gets a hit from Morgan Oliver, gets on base, starts a rally. And they make it 7-3, 7-4, 7-5. Pretty soon, um, it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, you got Morgan Oliver back to the plate, who started the whole rally with, I, I, I imagine there's two outs. Just, let's just say yeah. there is for the drama. Down 7-6. The full count, Casey at the bat, whatever you want to call it. He hits. No, this part is true here. He hits a dribbler through the right side of the infield, gets through. CMU scores. They win the game eight to seven. Bomber of the ninth at Comerica Park, wow. beating Michigan State. The the big brother, I want to say. Uh-oh. You know, oh yeah, I'll say that.
1: <laughs> so I feel like Michigan State has gotten this, man, with good reason. This big brother of CMU type atmosphere. We're kind of the little brothers, so I love. Seen anything like that when when Central you just comes like up seeing and Michigan State losing? Hey, I won't go that far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, it was but, really one of the best comebacks, no doubt, and probably in CMU um, baseball history, and it was crazy. Now this year, I don't know if I can say that that's going to happen again.
1: I was going to say, do you think that this game is a good, a good tell or is a good uh, a good stepping stone, a good jump, a good catalyst into the rest of the season? Where okay, if they win this game, then Maybe well, maybe it can project them into the rest of the. I don't know if there's been trends it, in the previous years. If they
0: win this game, it will be something because yeah. heading into the weekend, Michigan State was eighteen and four. Usually they're <laughs> about maybe like seventeen and eleven, somewhere around there. But they're eighteen and four right now. Mm-hmm. They're probably on the verge of being ranked. Yeah. CMU on the other hand, five and twenty one, and that was before they got swept this weekend. So they're now five and twenty four. So oh, I'm just saying, if CMU is able to pull out this win. It would be even more special than last year, just because of how much these two teams are trending in opposite directions. Yeah. The Spartans are really on a roll this year. They weren't that great last year, and the Chippewas were pretty good last year and right now are really finding struggles to, to win games. So I think CMU is even more of an underdog heading into this one. So I wouldn't, ex- I don't expect the Chippewa win, be cool. but if they're able to do something crazy again this year, it would just blow our minds even more.
1: Yeah, it would. It really would. Um, it's
0: pretty cool getting to play at Comerica Park too. Oh, it's a Chimua? great feeling. I
1: missed out on it in high school, a lot of the kids from my high school were able to go through for the the Catholic League championships there, um, and play at Comerica. I missed out. It's it's a great great uh, you know, time to go play ball at, at such a great, you know, stadium. Yep. But can you imagine being a college kid going in as an underdog mm-hmm. against a school that probably looked overlooked you in, in the recruiting process? Mhm. And just taking it to them yeah, like in, they did last year. It's, it's got to be
0: – that's how you have to dream it. Like, I even have sometimes <laughs> yeah. dream about these things. Like, what if I was a baseball player, bottom of the ninth, got that game-winning hit? Like, it's a Cinderella story. Man, if it's, I could go back to 82, awesome. I'll tell you what, man. I'm winning that state championship. Yep. Yeah, you okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, transitioning. Um, the the top-ranked one on my list here, Friday Top 5 of most interesting um, CMU sports remaining this season – um, it, it's not going to count for anything. It's mm-hmm. not going to go in the MAC record book or anything like that. Nope. The stats will be forgotten pretty quickly afterward. The two teams that are playing are both CMU. <laughs> Yet still, I think it's the top event left for CMU Sports this semester, and I, that is the annual spring football game. Let's go Chippewas. So the Chippewas are going to win either way. Absolutely. Will it be the Maroon team? Will it be the Gold team? We might have to do staff picks. I don't know <laughs> before this game. but I want to know how the draft worked out. Yeah, I know last year I talked to Bonamigo about it. I think he had um, the first-team offense and second-team defense on the same team and vice versa. I'm not sure if that's going to be this year or how exactly that works. There's a few Mm -hmm. little minor trades just to try and get as many people some playing time as possible. But Mm -hmm. the guy everyone's going to be watching is going to be the redhead under center, Cooper Rush, the senior. The last one. His last spring game. His last one. He's come a long way in this time here. He started all four years, but now... But when did you pick up with uh, Cooper's career here at CM Life? Oh, that's that's actually a funny story. Uh, Dominic Mastrangelo, who was the sports editor at the time, we actually had a debate him and I on who should be the starting quarterback. I think it was heading <laughs> into the sophomore year. Should it be Cody Cater, who was injured all of Rush's freshman year when Rush played in 2012, uh-huh. or, I'm sorry, 2013, or should it be... This young redhead Cooper Rush who was just gonna be a sophomore that year, had some experience though, won him a game in New Hampshire to to start his career. Who should it be? He went with Cody Cater, I argued Cooper Rush and a, a great head to head Oh, count. so you called it. <laughs> I called it. Wow. I I kinda it's hard to be humble about this one, but <laughs> I, I definitely called it you ended up going with Cooper Rush and they did pretty good with him. And Cody mm-hmm. Cater with his crazy hair sat on the sidelines and <laughs> he, he did play a little bit in the Bahamas bowl, but um besides that, it was it was all Cooper Rush. I, I've really been on the Cooper Rush bandwagon. Last year, yeah. he he did fairly well. He really had to—it went from a running team in 2014 to a pass-heavy team in 2015. And I think yep. they are going to have a lot of those pieces coming into this season. I think we're going to find that out, too, come Saturday, April 16th. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with Austin Stewart. Yeah, I want to see what kind of
1: how they use them. If, Basketball guard if turned into them? wide receiver. Six foot six inches. I was watching his highlights the other day. His high, his uh, senior year football highlights. Yeah, and he he can really gallop. <laughs> he can. Gallop. He can gallop, and he can get up and go go catch the football. You've seen him dunk, L U. We've seen that multiple times in McGurk Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited for that. I'm excited to see the rotation of the running backs. Um, obviously, they'll be split up, but how many reps are, and how they look of Romelo Ross and uh, as you go down the depth chart, I want to see how, how that looks. I want to see the progression of uh, the, the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm I'm, I'm pretty curious about. Okay, even how, Frazier's leaving. Exactly. So how are they all the there? Right. How are they going to, you know, you kind of have been following them a little bit more closely than I have this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been seeing different from this team this spring than in spring's past? Obviously, uh you know, last
0: year was had some adversity with Coach Bono getting yeah. he's, cancer he's and, new uh, and Derek new Nash spring. passing away. Um, but Yeah, both of those were in June. But I think heading yeah. into this spring, I haven't got to see too much of them actually on the field, but not a lot of seniors graduated. There's really not a whole lot of holes that they need to fill, maybe some on the offensive line, um, a few different places. The wide receiver group's still intact. Mm-hmm. The running backs, they just lost Martez Walker to transfer, but that's it. They gained a couple others. Um, I think the... The real one that I'm looking forward to. First of all, you, you gotta hope Cooper Rush torches whoever's in the on the other side. Um, obviously, twenty want, pole jam? You don't <laughs> is he here yet? Uh, I'm not. I don't think he'll be here for this game. Early not enrollees, watch. yeah. No, no, no early enrollees from what I'm hearing. Okay, okay. but yeah, I mean, you kind of want to see Cooper dominate, just yeah. kind of as a. Hopefully, that's what's gonna happen in the, in the fall for this, <laughs> yeah. these Chippewas. But I think the running backs are the most interesting part for me. Yeah, um, Romello Ross kind of shot out of cannon at the end of the year i don't know if you remember the bowl game where he was pretty much tackled at the 10 and just kept trucking and pushing and pushing the pile and he finally got pushed into the end zone and i like having people on my
1: back when i run and i'm gonna carry you
0: he was carrying people and (laughs) i he did great at the eastern michigan game too the they had to pull the red shirt midway through the year because they were out of running backs just he injuries would, galore. He would
1: be a mean, mean fifth-year senior.
0: Yeah, so he's going to be a sophomore this year. He, he will lose that year of eligibility, yeah. but I think he really learned a lot in those final couple games. He might be one of the top backs. Another one is Devon Spalding. Cracked uh, something with the fractured collarbone. He's still actually not on the field yet. He, he fractured October 1st against okay. NIU. Okay. Um, he's supposed to compete for that starting job as well. And then Jare Hayes, who's a bigger back. He's doesn't have as much of the speed, but he, he can definitely still run pretty well, and he can run over some people. And the reason that he um, he really started off pretty strong when he, he started taking over, but Jireh ja Hayes actually shut his hand in the door. Ooh. I don't know if it was a car or a room or what it was. Midway through the season, he had to have stitches. Um, even when those stitches were removed, um, even the coach said he was really kind of favoring it. Right. And even in the blocking game, he was trying not to block too much. With the hands. Um, yeah. So he he's all healthy. He's ready to go, and he could compete for that job as well. And then you got Berkeley Edwards. I forgot about Berkeley from Minnesota. They're not sure if he'll be ready, if he can bypass those transfer rules and be able to play this year. Now is he, is he, he at, year. at a
1: tailback or is he at a slot position?
0: He's gonna be a, a running back. A running back. Yeah. Okay. So wow. he's got two more years of eligibility under his belt. He's a speedster. He's already running for the CMU track team. Yeah. He's. He almost made uh, Mac Championships on his first first trip wow. in the indoor season. He's cool. doing outdoor stuff too.
1: Yeah, he obviously has good bloodlines from his father to his his brother, and obviously, I,
0: I see the youngest, or is he? Um, is, was is younger Bailey. brother uh, Bailey Edwards is going to be a wide receiver. Bailey is he will most likely redshirt for the Chippewas in the fall, but yeah. he will be with the program as well. Chelsea High School, Bailey Edwards. There it is, downriver. <laughs> so I think there's lots of interesting storylines in the spring football game. We're gonna get you more of that stuff, but I think that's my top. Those are my top four remaining um, CMU sporting events this season. Is there anything in that I'm missing, Sarma?
1: You know, none that I can think of, unless some of these teams obviously snap some, something off to go to a, a Atlantic Sun tournament or, or Mac uh, championship a or, or, or yeah, a Mac championship. Obviously, yeah. um, we'll see. Uh, I don't really foresee any of these spring teams. Not not to. Not to jinx any, anything, but... Maybe I,
0: softball has the best chance. I think opinion.
1: softball has the best chance,
0: no doubt. It's still young, though, in the season, so yeah. there's lots of time for these these teams to really turn it around. That's what you get got to hope for if you're maroon and bold. Or maroon and gold. Maroon faithful. gold! Speaking of maroon and bold, that's about all we have here, unless you had anything else, Serma. Nope, that's all. So that was Andrew Serma, the assistant sports editor. I'm Taylor DeSormo, the sports editor. Sports editor. Uh, editor. Uh, thank you for your time, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day.